welcome to Let's Get Connected, a podcast from York School District 1. On today's episode, we'll hear from Crystal Sandifer, principal of Harold C. Johnson Elementary School, Miss Amy Hagner, assistant superintendent for finance and operations, and principal Maddie Hughes, principal of Jefferson Elementary School. Without further ado, Cougars, let's get started. Well, we're glad to have on this episode of our podcast, uh, the principal of Harold C. Johnson Elementary School, Crystal Sandifer. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Ms. Sandifer, talk to us a little bit about how the school year started at Harold C. Johnson. Well, we have had a busy, busy year, um, as we always do, but we have really gotten off to a great start at Harold C. Johnson. We got started immediately working on some of our instructional goals for the year. Our teachers and our students are working very hard. We are focused this year on really ensuring that we have a student-centered learning environment for our students and really focusing on our instructional practices. We're really, really strengthening, making sure that we truly understand the standards that we're to be teaching. We're going in and unpacking our standards. We're looking closely at what aspects of the standard are we to be teaching to the whole group at the grade level, and then looking at what things do we need to teach to small groups, and really focusing on being very intentional in our small group planning to make sure that we are addressing the needs of the student, and then even things that we may need to go in and work individually with a student, or really utilizing our technology tools that we have, things like ExactPath, that's gonna give each student their own learning pathway to really strengthen the skills that they still need to work on. So really our teachers are focusing on what things do we teach to the whole group, to the small group, and how do we work with the individual to have every student to meet their instructional goals for the year. Well, it sounds like a lot of hard work is underway. Um, When you talk about teaching to the whole group, the small group, the individual, it really is about meeting the personal needs of students, depending on where their skills are, the content area, and what's being taught. I know you'll soon be sharing, or by the time our listeners hear this, you may have already shared um, what kind of your focus is and what you're going to spotlight at the board meeting. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what that'll feature when you tell your story of Harold C. Johnson for this year. Well, every year our school has a theme, and this year our theme is Level Up and Win. And it's kind of a video gaming theme, and our students are very excited about that theme because a lot of them, you know, do play video games. And so the whole idea of leveling up, of reaching goals, and then moving on to the next thing. So we're really trying to empower students to be able to set goals for themselves and reach that that next level. And so when, in our school, we are using the acronym WIN for what I need. And so our WIN time every day, um, last year we started with what we call GLOW time, which was a time to focus in on individual needs. So this year we're calling it WIN time, and we actually have 30 minutes of WIN time for math, and 30 minutes of wind time for reading every day for every student. And so um, during that time, students know they are going to get what they need. That's awesome. I can think of um, probably when we were in school, everybody just kind of got the same thing. And if you needed something extra, you 
had to arrange with your teacher to come for extra help or maybe your mom wrote a note and said you know Latoya really doesn't understand X can you give her some extra help so it sounds like you have a structure and a process in place to ensure that if students have a need whether it be a need for extra practice remediation or even extension they're going to get what they need um, how have your teachers and students responded to that one time in the beginning of course the teachers were a little bit you know worried about how am I going to find this time mm -hmm. um, because we don't want to take away from the instructional time that we already were devoting to our reading time and to our math time but we talked about just restructuring to make the time that we have more useful and more impactful so of course we're going to have our regular you know time that we're teaching to the whole group but then for that 30 minutes every student's going to be getting what they need and so teachers are going in and analyzing lots of different data sources but they're going to analyze data they're going to look at our map data they're going to look at map reading fluency they're going to look at individual student performance you know from day to day make observations and then they're going to plan that these students are going to work with the teacher at the teacher table mm -hmm. these students are going to work using their technology tools these these students may be going out to mm -hmm. work with an interventionist mm -hmm. during that time and so we have really appreciated having exact math. That is something that we, we began using last year, but now we're really going in and analyzing exact math and looking at what exactly do students need to be working on. And it is it's just an amazing tool that's going to give students an instructional pathway that it provides some instruction. It provides um, a way to check to see if the students are understanding, if the teacher needs to then go in and give support then maybe tomorrow she's going to pull a group mm -hmm. at her table and work with those students on that skill. Well, it's so really using those tools all together. Well, it sounds like you're maximizing all of your resources, whether it be technology tools, uh, personnel, interventionist teachers, um, or whatever, whatever ever other instructional materials you might have. I can tell you from being a part of the Superintendent's Parent Advisory Council meeting that um, a parent from Harold C. expressed how much she is pleased with wind time and what her student is experiencing. So kudos to you and your staff for doing whatever it takes to meet the needs uh, of all students. Speaking of parents, if parents want to be more involved at Harold C. Johnson Elementary School, what are some ways they can do that? Well, we have a very active School Improvement Council and PTO. We kind of incorporate those two things together. Um, and we always have that information in our newsletter every week. It has all of our meeting dates listed there. So, um, and anytime, any parent who'd like to get involved, you can give me a call, stop by and see me, and we will find ways to put you to work. We'll <laughs> gladly partner with you. It could be sending things in. It could be you actually coming and helping us. It could be coming to a School Improvement Council meeting. Uh, we really work with our School Improvement Council uh, to improve our school in yeah. terms of instruction, not just, you know, fun activities that we do, but we really want our parents to be involved in even the day-to-day -day operations and the day-to-day -day learning that takes place. We want our, our parents to understand. So anytime any parent wants to get involved, you can certainly call me, email me personally, and I will give you a job to do. Oh, sounds like she's got plenty of opportunities for those who want to be a part of something great at Harold C. Johnson Elementary School. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, for the hard work you're doing with your students and staff. And in true Harold C. Johnson Elementary School fashion, go, go Jaguars!
York School District 1 has expanded our partnership with Affinity Health Center. Located at York Middle School, 1010 Divinity Road, the clinic is open to students, staff, and the community on Mondays from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. To learn more or make an appointment, call 803-909-6363 or email info at affinityhealthcenter.org. Episode 2 of Let's Get Connected from York School District 1. And today, our guest is Amy Hagner, who is our Assistant Superintendent for Finance and Operations. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. We're so glad to have you. You know, I bet um, people don't know or may not recognize that you've been a part of this school district for 17 years, believe it or not. 17 years! And I bet you've seen a lot of change and a lot of things um, evolve over the time. And speaking of change, if you just ride around York, what's the one big thing you think people are noticing? You're probably going to notice a few houses as you ride around the city of York. I know it. It seems like every week when I'm riding through town, I notice that there are more rooftops that week than there were the week before. Um, Talk to us a little bit about growth and how that's impacting some of the work you do in your area. So I have been in the district for 17 years and our enrollment has hovered a little above or below 5,000 students the entire time I've been here. And you know, it's funny, the entire time I've been in the district, people like to say, oh, growth is coming, growth is coming. And after 17 years, 20 plus years, growth is finally here. Um, so our city of York, most of the growth is, is within the city. We have about 2,400 units approved already within the city limits. Um, we received word the other week there's a potential, another development wanting to get annexed in the city that's going to have uh, like four or 500 more homes. And that doesn't count what takes place in the county. Uh, we have potential 700 homes within the county. Obviously, the 2400 in the city is going to have a huge impact on our, on our schools. Wow, um, that's a lot of homes, and we know typically with neighborhoods of that size also comes a lot of children. So uh, for those people who don't really understand how we determined how we determine how many kids we're going to have to serve when new homes come about, is there a process you follow to kind of keep up with that so that you're sort of monitoring what's happening and the impact that could potentially uh, it could potentially have on our schools? We do. We're very fortunate. We've got a great great relationship with the City of York, and so each month they send me the number of permits that have been pulled into these new developments. And just recently, now we're tracking those certificates of occupancy. So we know the permits. We see all, if you ride around, you see the houses are popping up. Now you see there's actually cars in the driveways. And so, anyway, so we're really tracking to see how many of the COs that have been um, approved, how many students are we receiving from, how many new students. Believe it or not, we've had some transfer students within the district, but the majority of the students coming in are new students. So we're doing that on a monthly basis. Um, We're constantly updating our board on the number of students coming in so that we can keep track because what we we don't want to happen is all of a sudden we're out of capacity at our schools and we don't have a plan in place. So we're tracking this on a monthly basis right now. So you're keeping a close eye on that. Um, So it's good to know for folks who might be listening that there is a process by which we do that. Um, Something else recently that um, was shared at our previous board meeting was the results of our annual audit. And so some people might not know that um, as the Assistant Superintendent for Finance and Operations, one of your major responsibilities is making sure the books are balanced, the funds are spent responsibly, 
and, and according to state law. So tell us what the outcome was for our audit for this uh, past fiscal year. Uh, we're very fortunate that we've got a lot of bookkeepers at our schools who um, understand finance and accounting and why we have all of the rules and regulations that we have around accounting. I am very fortunate that I'm surrounded by a lot of uh, finance staff who are, do, who are phenomenal at what they do. So it's really a combination of everybody throughout the districts, you know, out throughout the district monitoring our grants and those kind of things. So we did receive the best opinion you can get, an unmodified opinion, which doesn't sound like it's a good opinion, but it is the best opinion that our auditors can get can give school districts. You know, when they come in, they can't go they can't come in and audit every single transaction that we do. That would be impossible and extremely um, costly. But they do come in and they have a threshold and they monitor things over a certain threshold. So they pull samples of our invoices and make sure we're following our own policies and procedures, making sure we're following state policies and procedures. And so they're charged with coming in, auditing that, and forming an opinion for that school district. And if there's any recommendations for improvements or any um, material misstatements or any deficiencies in their findings, then they have to report that to the board. But we've just been very fortunate that um, we have not had any findings. We've always had a very good audit, and you know everybody's just very supportive and works hard in getting it done. You know, I'm not surprised at all. Hats off to you and your staff, uh, especially when I'm talking to the South Carolina Association of School Business Officials uh, Administrator of the Year from last year, Miss Amy Hagner, as well as the District Administrator of the Year. Uh, for the South Carolina Association of School Administrators. Uh, you have done phenomenal work in your department for year over year, and that's uh, due to your diligence, leadership, and the hard work of your staff. So way to go. We like it when you keep the books clean and green. Well, hey, I'm fortunate <laughs> to be surrounded by good people. <laughs> you know, Amy, there's one thing I think people may or may not be aware of, but there's a passion project um, that you were a part of um, that's over at our high school. Uh, and it means so much to you and every time I hear you talk about it it just resonates with me that this work for you is more than just about the numbers in the books uh, so tell folks what your passion project is and why it means so much to you so I was very very fortunate um, several years ago to be involved in the steering committee to explore the possibility of a utility line worker program at our technology center and um, a few of us from the office started these meetings, and I, I'll never forget the very first meeting we had. We had our potential partners in the room, a lot of district staff in the room, obviously folks from the um, Floyd D. Johnson Technology Center. And when we left that meeting, I just felt deflated because I didn't think some of our partners thought we could pull off such a huge endeavor. And so when we left, I was like, if there's one thing we're going to do, and if I'm going to be a part of this, we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And so that probably has to be one of my... I don't know, one of the best moments I think I've had in my 17-year 17 17 um, career here at York is to get this, to see the vision, get it off the ground, get the funding, actually partner with another school district, and have a program that is out there for our kids who are not set to go to college, and that's not the career path they want, and to see some of the stories that have come out of this utility line worker, line worker program, 
really just bring, brings joy to me and tear to my eyes when I've seen some of the students because they have the opportunity that when they graduate they can be hired on the spot and go out and have a wonderful career. Yeah. So it's been it's been amazing to watch that program grow and the fact that they want to expand it if we can. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. Every time you talk about it, you can just see uh, the passion that resonates uh, within you mm -hmm. about that program and what it does for our children, and it's really really neat to watch. Um, you know, I think that most people probably don't always understand that uh, the maintenance and operations side of the house, are, they are what makes it go. Uh, you can have a great car, but if there's no gas in the car, you're not going, you're anywhere. Not going anywhere. So uh, tell people a little bit about some of the folks you work with in your department. Uh, just give them a better idea of what your side of the house works on. So I have all of our maintenance and operations, so that includes all of our custodians, our food service staff, our technology staff, our bus drivers. Like you say, these are the folks that if we don't have a roof over our head, if we don't have air, heat, and if we don't have clean facilities, and if we can't get our kids to school, then their learning cannot take place. So operations is such a vital part. And I think sometimes people don't realize what all encompasses operations, but it truly is a, a huge team effort. Definitely. One of the things I think your department does well, just to close our conversation, is uh, um, engage in very productive partnerships. There's one partnership in particular with Milliken uh, that we're very proud of as a district. And tell people something they might not know about our partnership with Milliken and the number of visitors from all over the country uh, that you welcome each year and kind of what we show them. Yes, we are very fortunate. Um, Milliken has been a partner with this district way before my time here. Um, I've just kind of carried this on. But we do, um, a lot of our carpet in our schools are the Milliken carpet. You see carpet squares. Um, if you have been at the high school, Cotton Belt, Hunter or Jefferson, you've probably seen me walking around with folks all the time wondering what in the world are all these people doing in our facilities. You know, we probably bring, you know, up 100 or 200 possible people a year. I, th I think I've got a group of 30 coming this week of superintendents and educators throughout the, throughout the U.S. And so one of the things that we do, we come in here and we talk to them about carpet. Some of them are not into carpet. Some of them are trying to find out more. And what does it do to your learning environment and how has it impacted your cleaning from a facility standpoint? But one of the things folks always say um, is when they leave our facilities, doesn't matter which facility they tour, they say, first of all, you can tell that your folks take pride in your building because we have some of the cleanest buildings around and just the atmosphere and environment that they see in our facilities as they tour. So we've, we've had a really great partnership with um, Milliken. Hope to continue that as we move forward. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it's partnerships with Milliken and the like that help us make uh, things work for our students in York School District 1. Uh, we want to thank Amy for being on the podcast for this episode, and if you'll stay with us right after this, we're going to hear from Maddie Hughes, Principal, Jefferson Elementary. Did you know York School District 1 has a VIP Courtesy Pass program? This program is for senior citizens ages 60 and up, who reside in the York School District 1 attendance zone, retired employees of York School District 1, or military veterans. Pass holders are able to attend school-sponsored public events, such as regular season ball games, plays, and concerts. For those pass holders who have already signed up for your VIP pass, 
We'd like you to come by the district office and visit us at 1475 East Liberty Street to pick up your updated pass. For those who are interested in signing up for a pass, as either a senior citizen, retired educator, or military veteran, please give us a call at 803-684-9916. Our district office is located at 1475 East Liberty Street. We look forward to seeing you at all of our school-sponsored events. And as always, go Cougars! Great. How are you? Good. Welcome to the podcast. We just want to talk to you a little bit about uh, how things are going at Jefferson this year. Is there anything, is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're particularly proud of? Well, we just got a chance to celebrate our uh, school report card um, based on the hard work that we did last year. So that's um, something exciting that's going on. Yeah, I noticed that your report card rating was good. And in fact, you were one point away from being rated as excellent. What would you say contributed to that rating and the, the hard work of, of the teachers? Well, I think there was a lot of things, but probably the biggest piece was the uh, collaboration that we've done. We've worked a lot with rigor and um, making sure that we are providing quality instruction, quality assignments, everything that we do, it's about quality. So we can have quality from class to class, grade level to grade level. That's awesome. I know your teachers must be incredibly proud of themselves, and uh, my hat's off to them because that takes uh, a lot of hard work, dedication, and commitment, and uh, as well as the support of your families and students working hard in the classroom. So what are some of the things you're focused on this year? Um, I know you're going to be featured in one of the board's upcoming spotlights. What will you be sharing uh, with those who might be in the audience at that board? Okay, so this year we are focusing um, on our instructional practices. Um, With that, we are trying to personalize some of the professional development that we provide to our teachers. You know, just like our students come with different um, experiences and backgrounds, our teachers come with that as well. Um, We wanted to try to see where um, their interests was so um, to see if if there was an area that we wanted to extend and expand for them um, and that might be different than another grade level Um, for example um, one teacher may be ready to do some student-led conferences whereas another teacher may not be comfortable with that and they want to do something different so um, those are some of the things that we're going to highlight uh, just a, a variety of things based on um, an area or areas that they think that they are stronger in um, those areas that we need to grow in we're going to try to you know um, stretch them a little bit um, and just kind of use um, whatever level they are at now that's awesome i like the uh, fact that you all are meeting teachers where they are yes. so if i'm a teacher and i want to grow in being able to support students in leading their own conference talking about their work where their strengths are why there are opportunities i can choose that as the practice that i'm going to focus on uh, for for my students while I might be a teacher who wants to use a variety of methods of assessment. I want to look at student work uh, through a a lot of different lenses. So that could be the practice that I'm working on. Um, How do I assess students uh, using different tools to make sure that that rigor you mentioned 
is there and things are aligned. I know you probably have um, this, uh, the best and, and the greatest, I know you probably have some of the greatest parent participation. I'm familiar with a couple of events I know Jefferson has already conducted. Did, didn't you guys do something with grandparents? Today? Yes, yes. We had a huge grandparent event. So last year was, you know, like the first year we kind of opened back up. So we wanted to make sure that they were involved more and they could kind of see what we're doing in the classroom. Obviously, we try to make sure we are showcasing um, student work and student activities on social media. But we want to also bring these parents into the classroom. We want to work on building that relationship to see. So they'll see that we're in this together. So, yeah, we did have a wonderful turnout for Grandparents Day. And then... Um, then we had our Hall Crawl Storybook Trail, which was another big success. Yeah, so you're always looking for ways to engage families. Yes. Whether that be parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, mm -hmm. anyone who supports students that attend Jefferson Elementary, you welcome them to be a part of yes. that, those events that yes. you all host. If I'm a parent, I'm new to Jefferson, how can I get more involved uh, at the school? Okay. Well, we're always looking for people to help us with, um, be a part of our PTO or School Improvement Council. Um, we have our PTO meeting about an SIC, which is a combined effort. We have that about um, once a month, um, and it's anywhere between like, at, sometimes it's 5 o'clock or sometimes it's 6 o'clock. Um, we'll have that advertised on social media, but you can also call the school, and um, yes, we welcome, welcome them all. Well, um, I think that uh, it's important to never end the podcast without giving proper respect to each school's mascot. And when Miss Jane Wallace was on, we talked about the Husky Way, so I won't end without saying, Go Dolphins! Thanks, everyone, for listening to Let's Get Connected, a podcast from York School District 1. For more information on our district, please visit our website at york.k12.sc.us and be sure to follow our social media channels at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, now known as X. You can scroll down on the website to the district headline section and find out all the latest news and happenings in York School District 1. Go Cougars!